Thanks for tuning in to PLR Podcast. We are back with the first episode of, is this a season? Are we calling these seasons? I'll call it a season. Season right. two? Yeah. We're back with a New York groove. What? With a Pro- Providence groove, I guess, right? I don't know. Uh, How many of us uh, on this podcast have caught COVID since uh, its its start? I finally got it in December. It's just you, man. You're the only one. Disgusting. You what? disgust me. Oh, man. You disgust me. You make me I sick. Thought, I thought you got it, Alex. I thought you were dirty, too. Nope. You people just hanging out amongst yourselves and spreading germs. Gross. It's true. It's disgusting, and you shouldn't get it, and it's not a lot of fun, and... um slowly going insane in isolation but hopefully that'll be ending soon but yeah shit's real out there took a pcr test didn't come back for like five fucking days mm-hmm. yeah yeah we're familiar <laughs> yeah i mean why, y'all know. that's why we didn't get into canada we tried to take a canadian trip in december uh took our tests on a tuesday drove up to canada on a friday expecting to get the email on friday uh, because you need a 72-hour test in order to cross the border. You need to have taken a test negative within 72 hours. So that was the day. If we didn't get it that day, then we weren't going. Uh, and sure enough, Rhode Island, I didn't get my test back until the following Monday. It was seven days later, almost seven days later, six days later. Yeah, but you all spent a romantic time up in uh, Vermont, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> and that yeah. was amazing. <laughs> However, it is sad that so many ding-dongs are being ding-dongs in this world that the poor Department of Health is like overloaded. Everybody's overloaded. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some, something that you bring up all the time is teachers being back in school and like striving for full capacity. But of course, there's so many students and everybody's absent that's what you keep talking about right oh my god they're dropping like flies yeah basically we all know that we shouldn't be back into uh what is what is referred to as normal um because there is no normal anymore and you know just because omicron isn't as serious as delta for people that are vaccinated doesn't mean that people that are high risk uh or or have other conditions aren't uh, in danger. I mean, the, the death toll is, is also going up in the state, I think. And something that I think a lot of people are not considering, and I know I'm the person that's always like, people are dying, but people are not just dying. Like long COVID is a thing, and then like COVID can make you have a stroke, which we know is horrible, or like heart problems, or, you know, irreparable damage to your body. And so it's, it's essentially, it's creating disabilities uh, simultaneously, uh, while also killing people with disabilities. And it is just, it's just a mess, man. It's just a mess. And even if you don't get some kind of like a lethally, um, a lethal amount of coronavirus from the Omicron, a lot of people are being put into hospitals because it's so contagious and people are showing up and it's displaying other people that need heart transplant. My poor friend's father passed away this week from coronavirus complications uh, in the ER because he never got to make it to the ICU. Damn. Because the ICU was full. 
these are all like little details that kind of skate over people's minds when they start thinking about, oh, it's not that serious. So oh. they like want to go back to snookers or whatever. I don't know. Everybody wants to go back to snookers. They do have a lot of pool tables there. It's li- well, yeah, that's why it's called snookers. They got some I, good nachos. The, I'm sorry, it's like the that. only place that I know that exists here. That's like bro- super broy. Um, oh, speaking I, of like people dropping like flies, uh, coronavirus is like a leading killer of police officers too, which you know is what it is. But I mean, in Rhode Island, there's a whole bunch of shit about that, isn't there? There was just an article that was put out saying that over 80 police officers are refusing to get vaccinated right now in Alorza. Right. No, it's been it's been a problem. It's been a problem. We've talked about it on here before how they just don't give a shit about actual safety and they won't get vaccinated. They won't stay home. They won't quarantine, whatever. Nobody's making them also. But now, yeah, our our sweet our sweet pals. So one of the working on it, one of the things that has been going on since we've been on break is uh there is a there there is to be a mandate on uh public servants getting the vaccine. The problem is that they found as the fire department being the the example, they found that uh when they imposed this mandate, some high percent of firefighters said that they would rather not work for the fire department anymore, that they would rather retire than get the vaccine. So Looking at that, now city council members and city officials are saying, well, if we impose the same mandate on the police, then uh, we're going to have police officers retire or leave the force because they don't want to get the vaccine. And so now the city council members are saying, well, we can't mandate police officers because we can't afford any of them to retire because it will lead to lawlessness in the city and, <laughs> and, and everybody and and in chaos but uh i don't it it sort of it's a crazy uh to really strange quagmire to be in that the people who are tasked with uh protecting society the people who are supposed to protect society which we all know that they don't but the people who are supposed to are the ones that are like on the front line against getting a vaccine which like Everybody knows that regardless of how you feel about it yourself, the, the main purpose of getting a vaccine is to protect other people from the germs that you might spread. So it just it's sort of strange to me that uh, that the people who are supposed to be the quintessential public servants are not getting a vaccine. It is perplexing, but also not surprising. Not surprising coming from uh police officers i guess i guess i guess we're unsurprised by that um that whole thing uh, what else going on while we were gone what did you do evan while we were gone how you been since we've been on break you and i went to louisiana and saw alligators and I that did. was fabulous i saw gators that was dope and i have been trying to take a break from a lot of things I'm still involved with Pride at Work. Um, shout out to them. We're still trying to, well, we're still working with the Teamsters, um, like the Dodson Brothers strike situation. We're trying to, we're calling on Queer Bar specifically to make sure that they are not uh, 
crossing the proverbial and or I guess it's actual a literal picket line. Mm-hmm. Um, we are working on a lot of things. So if you are a queer person and uh, are in need of some kind of support, labor wise, get in touch. We got you. Uh, what else have we done? I've just been trying to relax, really. School, it, it was not a long enough break. School came back fast. Yeah, and, for real. And the kids are just like, you know, traumatized by being with their families. You had like two weeks off, not even. Not even. Yeah, you had you barely had any. Providence Public School teachers get like a week and a half off for, for a holiday break. It's ridiculous. It's rough. The last week before holidays is really bad. And the first week back is really bad, especially when there's pandemic and people just like got sick over the break or they traveled or whatever. So they have to like wait a certain amount of time, but they keep changing all the rules. Now it's right. Like we don't have to quarantine for 10 days. It's only five days now. And then also now like workers can come back, even if they test positive, as long as they're not showing symptoms which seems so bad. And yeah, the kids, uh, like the close contact, contact tracing kind of stuff is not being done. I think it's like kids who are close contact, like of a positive case don't need to stay home. So they're loosening the rules further and further. People are getting more and more sick. We don't have enough teachers. We don't have enough bus drivers. We don't have enough anybody. They're yanking us regular guys out of our regular classrooms and making us teach other classes, which is totally weird. Meanwhile, a reality that I think a lot of people either realize or don't fully realize is that um, this has the the most bearing on the working class in particular because white collar jobs, white collar workers are able to work from home totally. majority because they're all they're pretty much all office jobs. Uh, they stare at a computer all day or or just sit so they can work from home. You know, I we know people who work corporate positions for companies in the state who, you know, they're not going into a corporate office. They're, they're staying home and doing what they want to do as opposed to people like Evan, who are actual workers uh, in the working class that are being forced to go back and confront people. Like you said, that don't, that aren't, that didn't even quarantine after holiday break. It's like, who are the health professionals that are deciding this but you know that's the question that you want to ask but the reality is it doesn't matter because you know that the reality is that workers are expendable right that's that's the way that's, the and that is being emphasized like i feel that now more than ever and i've worked a lot of you know like standard hands-on jobs from restaurants to like construction and and so on and i have never felt so disposable as i do now as a person who like cares for children, which seems really strange. So now, now that we've established the fact that workers are expendable, let's loop it back into the conversation about the police officers refusing to get a vaccine. And let's suggest that they are expendable as well. And that perhaps the city shouldn't be so scared of letting these whatever percentage of cops quit because you know what, if they're not gonna get the vaccine, they're putting people in danger and they should be just as expendable as teachers. You know what I mean? They should be let off of the force. Uh, that's mm. the way I feel about it. What about you, Andy? Uh, I feel like um, you can see the state mandating people by who they deem important. Um, 
people who work in other jobs, like you were saying, other common working jobs, there's no mandate to be vaccinated. But everything that withholds the state, um, things like police, um, even services like firefighters and stuff like that, to kind of keep the status quo are being um, are being mandated. Remember, um, it was like essential versus non-essential in the beginning. Yeah, it's funny how definitions change. You know how essential changed. That's a good point, though. There definitely is has become a hierarchy of of uh, uh, state care, I guess, or 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 who the state deems worthy of of receiving those mandates and having those mandates like strictly enforced. It, there has become a very clear hierarchy that like police firefighters, you guys are all right. We need you. We depend on you to to enforce, to maintain order, uh, because God forbid there's less police officers. Right. Well, all those police officers are going to have to take over as elementary school teachers when all the elementary school teachers die. I guarantee you that their thinking is that that teachers that education is one of the the highest uh, grossing training, like professional training fields in colleges. And so they're probably just thinking that, like, hey, you know what? Some old teachers die because they get COVID. A new, it's an opportunity for a new one to come in. <laughs> You know, we're recycling out these old people, but that's Jesus. extremely fucked up. But that's, that, so that's the only way that I can think that I can rationalize why teachers and students need to be back in person. You know, can I can I give shout outs to the Providence Student Union? Yeah. What are they up to? Um, they did. Well, so walkouts have been going on, go, going on um, all over the place and uh, like as close as Boston. But then the uh, the student union, like the, what are they, is, is it PSU, PUD student union, Providence was, whatever. Uh, they just put out like a community statement on their Instagram and probably elsewhere in social media um, for equitable and safe schooling options during this surge. It came out last week and so it's, uh, I recommend going over there to look at it. Um, it's just like a really well put together thing. Um, and it specifically calls for options that, that are expressly anti-racist and oriented uh, toward the health and humanity of young people, their families, educators, school-based staff, and the communities. So like I said, it's a really well put together document. It's totally worth reading. Um, and if you have any students in your life, listeners, um who don't know like what their rights are as far as walking out and stuff all that information can be found with the providence uh student union that's the end of my shout out i didn't even know what that was going on i feel like there's been so much news since we've been on break that it's sort of hard to yeah to keep up with and- it's quite a month to to break but it's it's I mean, it, we're having we're definitely having a moment, right? Like workers are uprising, students are uprising. Oh, Patricia Morgan's going viral. Patricia Morgan. Oh, my God. Yeah, yes. Went, went viral. Wait, talk about that. <laughs> Patricia Morgan yeah, and that. fucking Tiara Mack. Yeah, Tiara Mack had a pretty good clapback. Hit everywhere. Um, people want to hop all the fucking time, and even she was like, "I can't believe this is getting attention because literally, it's 
you know, rapid fire bad takes with her, sure. you know? So, but anyway, yeah, it was, it was some superficial like story about, oh, I once had a, a black friend who didn't <laughs> yeah. like, uh, yeah. because of critical now race. She's mean. Yeah. Yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah, T.R. Mack was like, yeah, I'm, I'm that friend. That's me. I'm the yeah. black friend. <laughs> um, yeah, that was embarrassing for Rhode Island, and uh, it did. It went. It went national. It's like she got national attention for that. Yeah, and you know, other uh, legislators locally kind of like reached out, and even like Brandon, Representative Brandon Potter, sent a message, and he was like, you know, we've tried to sit her down and talk to her about. This. <laughs> Don't get it. And but you uh, know what? I drove through West Warwick the other day, and. I think the people that live there are pretty proud of her. Like I, if you look at the, if you look at the bumper stickers and the, and, uh, and all that, I think that they're happy with their representatives is my assumption. It, it's like no man's land over there. It's kind of like that dark space in, in Lion King when, uh, the <laughs> don't go over there. That's where the hyenas are. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Try not to go to West Warwick if you can, because that's Patricia Morgan's district. And also, like, uh, I don't know. There's no reason to go to West Fork. Just don't do it. But, yeah, that wasn't the news while we were gone. There's also this uh, ongoing redistricting thing, which I sort of regret uh, not keeping up with more because, you know, it like so much stuff has happened Um in regard to redistricting, I know that uh, Kimberly, for example, who was planning on running in Pawtucket, has been uh, districted out of her district. Uh, so now she can't run. And, you know, and like her, her assumption there is that it was purposeful, that the Democratic Party was purposefully trying to uh, gerrymander out a working class candidate of color that challenged the establishment. And, you know, I'm not going to say that that's not true because it's very possible. Um, but my my first instinct was to say that, like, this process has probably been ongoing for for longer than she had announced her candidacy. Um, but as you as you shared, Andy, uh, Cynthia Mendez's district is also being changed, isn't it? Yeah, I believe so. And going back to, um, bless you, going back to um, districts being changed in non-ethical manner, um, there was recently a meeting by the Providence Committee on Ward Boundaries, and they found that there had been these uh, sub-basement meetings between politicians and the people that draw these things up, including EDS, which is run by uh, Kimball Brace, the guy with the uh, gerrymandering license plate. <laughs> yeah. And, gerrymandering uh, pimp. Yeah, EDS stands for uh, Election Data Services. And these meetings were held in ways that these politicians could tell the people that were actually carving up these maps, hey, I want this area. I don't want this area. This area is Democrat. This area is Republican. This area is of this status. This one is that. So they were able to keep their, their uh, political spot um, during the next election cycle, or at least make it more um, possible for them to win again. So that was recently discovered, uh, and the chair right now of the Providence Committee on Word Boundaries, I believe her name is Cigna, um, Jessica Cigna, yeah. 
she wants a log kept going forward of every kind of meeting that happens outside of the committee that has to do with the redistrict redistricting. Mm -hmm. And um, also they created a values document. This values document is an outline of ethical um, practices for creating these new um, districts. And it goes over things like focusing on the common social and economic status of the area and uh, maintaining geographical integrity of the districts and also ensuring uh, equality of all the ward populations and also expressly the last thing on the document says and no particular influence by uh, a politician for any other kind of means so they're really trying to keep um the corrupt elements of Rhode island politics keep their fingers out of the uh out of the pie and uh, to keep this from going sideways and becoming another terrible event in rhode island's history of um districting and rhode island politics so we'll see how that turns out. Um, it seems like the committee's doing doing pretty well. They're they're fighting a lot of uh, corruption and a lot of fucked up practices that are happening. So yeah, it's it's you know. one of those things that like as as radical leftists are only initially when you like kind of first become a, a radical leftist is you put a lot of faith in local politics thinking that like that's our avenue in like that's where we implant the wedge that we can then you know break the the higher system but then you see these these ways like gerrymandering redistricting that uh subvert that process when you do finally make way when you like before the wedge can actually get in this is one of those ways that the system can actually push you back out uh, and then it takes another 10 or so years to even try again, because now the districts are all shaken up um, and, you know, it's going to lead to more people moving, for example. So, yeah, it's good that there are people that are trying to to make sure that the, the whole redistricting happens in a fair and ethical way. But uh, I'm not super optimistic. Mm -hmm. Um, it's hard to be optimistic and yeah. Kimberly is right and wrong because yes, redistricting is done in a very selfish and unethical manner in Rhode Island. And no, it wasn't done just for their district, but it does happen. Whether that's what happened to them, I don't know. Um, but it, you know, there are some definite shady things that have happened in Rhode Island politics in the past and, you know, correlation isn't causation so we can't say for sure what happened to her but what if we had kimball bryce and kimberly on the show battle of the kims and we had a battle of the kims i got kimberly winning that pretty easily i don't think kimball bryce has ever been punched in the face before i'm like <laughs> yeah kimberly is pretty uh smart and quick um about about stuff but hey that is a battle that rhode island needs you mentioned Cynthia Mendez. Do you guys want to talk about the sleep out, sleep in? Oh my God. That yeah, is sure. Um, actually, as of today, a couple hours ago, uh, Jacobin, or how do you pronounce it, Evan? Don't make me pronounce it. I sound like such a jerk. <laughs> um, they, they had a little article they released today on the... Uh, on the status of Rhode Island politics, you could say, and the different political uh, parties. And it goes over uh, a few things. One of them is 
the party line that's held by the um, Rhode Island Political Cooperative and how it's alienating people. Um, for example, uh, they talk about, um, oh, let's go back, let's go back to the camp out. Uh, the article calls the Rhode Island Political Cooperative as insurgent a few times and, uh, and militant as well. Um, yeah. They still, mm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, Matt Brown made a statement saying that after 16 days, McKee finally came out and he, he said there would be 16 more beds um, for the cold weather and that he was going to put more money into a quarantine and isolation facility. And he said that this is going to justify them sleeping outside because McKee didn't do anything until those 17 days later. Um, he didn't talk anything about how McKee had already invested, uh, what, a couple million dollars into. What? Uh, you froze. Frozen. We're going to be doing a lot of Zoom episodes this season because I am going to be uh across the pond the big pond so you have your opinion on it you froze a little bit there but i i explained a little bit why you froze why we're doing the zoom thing um uh, we're gonna have a lot of zoom episodes this season but uh basically like my my opinion with that whole thing first of all did you see the campaign video that they released today or yeah i did yesterday? actually yeah it's just using the whole protest for inspirational purposes which from the beginning, I understood that that's what it was for. Because as you said, the reality is that Dan McKee had already allocated uh, a, some money from the federal relief funds to the homeless issue, uh, to homelessness, to combating homelessness in the state. So the money that they were asking for was already there from the beginning. Uh, but what this did effectively was they came out with an announcement, the political co-op, that they were running on a revolutionary platform with all these politicians. And it really didn't gain as much steam as they hoped that it would. Like people, progressives in the state, uh, us, uh, some other people maybe paid attention to it. But the reality is that like uh, Matt Brown and the same thing, unfortunately, with uh, Luis Munoz, they don't really stand a chance right now compared to the moderate party members that are running on both in the Democratic Party. Dan McKee probably being being the one uh, or anybody that is endorsed by uh, our former governor, Raimundo. Uh, so that whole thing didn't the, the initial announcement didn't really gain anything for them. And so somebody concocted this idea of let's take it to the street let's do something that is very obviously demonstrative uh and will gain traction that way and now jacobin's publishing an article about them they were all over national news and now they have this really nifty inspiring campaign video that shows them sleeping outside it has the pictures of matt brown really really clean shaven for having slept outside for 14 <laughs> days uh, I don't know how he does it. Uh, speaking outside, uh, you know, and I remember on on Twitter, you know, if you dared to question the intentions of this whole protest, you got bombarded with other co-op members saying like, well, why aren't you out here then if you're not if if you don't believe in it? And it's like, well, because I don't think that you're actually doing anything. I think that you're you're doing this thing to demonstrate that you're a part you're a you're a co-op that 
that mean that wants business that means business or whatever. Um, but the reality is that uh, you're it's a lose lose situation because if Dan McKee comes out and says that he's announcing more money, uh, he's going to put more money in in the budget to combat homelessness in Rhode Island. That's a win for his campaign. That's not a win for Matt Brown. Matt Brown's not the governor. Uh, neither is Cynthia Mendez. Um, or conversely, if if uh, Dan McKee didn't announce any additional money, he could still point to what he did previously and say, well, I did allocate money already. So really, it was a whole lose lose situation for them. And quite frankly, I think that the, the co-op politicians uh, still have uh, what's that expression? Egg on their face. As far as I'm concerned. But hey, that's me. What about you, Evan? Were you inspired by the the uh, sleep out? Um, I don't think I know enough about the member, like the people participating in it. Um, I don't know anything about Cynthia Mendez. I did watch maybe like a, I think maybe Will did a, um, Will at Uprise did like a live Instagram live or something. So I think I watched a little bit of footage of the people kind of like emerging from their tents all like triumphantly and shit. And it sounded like they were at least kind of successful in terms of securing funding and beds or whatever. And, you know, they did something that's cool. I don't have a problem with that necessarily. It was a little bit showboaty, um, but I don't know, rock out, rock and roll McDonald's. That's what I always yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> The rest, you know, there's a lot of critiques people are making about um, the political cooperative, including and besides this, like Tiara Mack came out and said that uh, the group is not looking to break the wheel. They're just looking to repopulate the people that are in it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how much I believe that they're going to be like actually doing like, are they going to keep going with this, this until everyone has a home or is it going to stop at some point i i don't know what i don't know what i think yet i guess i'll just wait and see but you know taking action in support of people experiencing homelessness is is a great thing true yeah i mean i do want to be clear i think direct action as long as it's from people with good intentions is on the surface good um so like you know you want to camp out to to make demands that's fine but like be clear about what what your actual intentions are you're you're running for governor and lieutenant governor your campaign hasn't gained that much traction yet uh don't fill the political upstarts that are joining you on the co-op with like this false sense of your radicalism that's sort of where i'm getting at with it because as we've always said I think that pretty much all of the the non-gubernatorial members of the co-op are good people with good intentions. They're 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 uh, logical progressives, I guess. Um, and you know, the the fear, I guess, is that they are susceptible to being duped by Matt Brown, who is a establishment politician. You know, well, no matter how many times he says revolution in his campaign video, he is an establishment politician. Uh, Cynthia Mendez, maybe I have a little bit more hope in, but uh, but she's lieutenant. 
right? She's running for lieutenant. She's not running for governor. So, and we all know from the relationship with Dan McKee and uh, Raimondo that the role of lieutenant governor effectively means nothing unless the governor moves office. Um, so that's where I'm at. I, my final critique is not really a critique. It's just um, a provocation. Uh, it's good that they're trying to do something systemic, but also were they, they could have been passing, like giving their tents to people who needed a place to sleep or giving out food or something like that. So maybe next time do both. <laughs> um, yeah, for real. the kind of stuff I like to see. That's a good point because you know that like, I don't know, I forget the name of the street. Uh, uh, let me show my true colors as a not a true providencer, but that street that parallels 95 in around Atwell's Ave, like when you're going on I 195, you're going towards it. They, they have the soup kitchen that's on the side there. You always see homeless people chilling out there, smoking cigarettes, trading cigarettes, shit like that. And my only thought throughout this whole protest was like, why don't somebody go there and be like, hey, guys, we got this protest going down at the state house if you want to come. Or, as Evan said, go there and like give them food. Like, there, get, like, there, are, food. there are good groups doing doing that kind of outreach. That's what we're about. That's what we try to center. There Here. are good groups doing that kind of outreach. Uh, actually, there's a we should plug the um, Our Providence mixtape that's coming out and it's like a bunch of Providence bands. Carlos. Carlos is putting it out um, and the money's gonna go to White Awakes. So it's a it's a benefit type yeah. deal. So that's cool. My band didn't make the cut for the first one. I submitted my song really late, but uh, Carlos said that there would be a, a, a part two coming out eventually. That's cool. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I I forget what I was also going to bring up. John Brown Gun Club does good stuff. That's what I was going to yeah, bring up. Food not bombs as well. Food not bombs. That's another news thing that happened. Dare. Uh, oh, before, before we get too far off all that, um, yeah. the other group that was mentioned in that article was Reclaim RI, because mm -hmm. Reclaim is not working in a way that it's creating like a political party line like uh, the political co-op is to go into office like Potter was uh, expelled because he didn't vote the way he was supposed to. Um, Senator Kendra Anderson uh, left because she couldn't support a minimum wage ordinance that they were going for. So the radical party line, I'm not saying radical because what they're asking for is radical. I'm saying radical because they will boot you if you do not become part of it or you don't work with it. Um, it's starting to alienate the different um, politicians that are in it after they become put into their position. Like Tiara Mack has left, a bunch of people has left. Um, so they contrast that with Reclaim RI. Reclaim RI is working with like Sunrise, DSA, all these other local organizations, and they're building power from the bottom. And they're using that on issues to kind of force its way to the top. And uh, so you have like this from the masses up with Reclaim and other grassroots organizations. And then you have like this, uh, this line of progressives um, that are trying to get into politics at the same time in the state house, the Rhode Island political cooperative, except the difference being is that 
the Rhode Island political cooperative is kind of built around a nexus of people that already know each other and are already friends like Cynthia Mendez and Matt Brown. You know, yeah. this is like when they kicked Potter out, Representative Potter, when they kicked him out, it wasn't a democratic thing that everyone agreed on. It was something that they decided and then told the rest of the cooperative. So it's questionable what part of cooperative is cooperative in the Rhode Island political cooperative. Um, if they want respect from people and other organizations, I think they need to be transparent. I think the decisions they make as a group need to be democratic. And uh, I think they need to work more with these other groups um, that will allow them to more represent the people in, right. uh, you know, in force instead of just, you know. I will, I will add uh, one thing. First of all, Jacobin would never say anything bad about Reclaim RI because Reclaim is Daniel Denbeer's baby pet project. And he also runs the Jacobins podcast. So they have, they're invested in making him look good. And I will say that there have been multiple people in the city of Rhode Island and city of Providence that have suggested that reclaim is a funnel for moderate Democrats, because mm. what happened, it's a funnel for taking radicals and getting them to vote moderate Democrat when the time comes, because what happened during the last election cycle, uh, when it, was Biden versus Trump. Uh, you know, a lot of leftists were like, fuck it, I'm not voting for anybody because I don't like them. But Reclaim was sort of on the front line of saying, no, we have to get rid of Trump. So you have to vote for Biden. You have to do it. You got, and not only that, not only at the federal level, but they were doing that at the state level too. Uh, getting, getting progressives to vote for moderate Democrat candidates in the houses of, of Rhode Island's Congress. So, uh, I don't even think reclaim is the more altruistic comparison to the co-op. I'm not. Oh, sure. I'm, just, I'm just saying what their narrative was on the. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Ja Jacobin is invested in making Daniel look good, which like Daniel seems like a fine person to me. Uh, I have. Uh, I have teased him. I trolled him a little bit on Twitter, uh, but, you know, I, I saw his presentation at Red Ink and I thought that it was it was pretty good kind of lacking lacking marxist analysis in my opinion but uh still a good argument still a good book um but in any case i uh jacobin is completely wrong i think in comparing those two organizations now the question is is there an organization in rhode island politics that is what jacobin imagines reclaimed to be the kind of decentered from the bottom up grassroots uh movement and uh, you know, I, I can't think of one, unfortunately, besides maybe the DSA, um, you know, you, you can have ideological problems with the DSA, with the, their approach to Marxism or socialism. Um, but the, the fact is that there's no, there really is no, uh, litmus test for, uh, joining the DSA. Anybody can join it. Uh, and, um, a lot of the people that are part of Providence DSA are actually working class people uh, with radical of, interests. There's a lot of grassroots organizations in Rhode Island, but I think a lot of them are single issue, um, like Black and Pink and uh, Sunrise um, right. and stuff like that. You know, not a lot of them are political, which is unfortunate. Yeah. That's what we try to do. We're trying to bring all these organizations together to show that mutual aid and grassroots organizing is the way to go rather than putting your faith 
and some white savior uh, for governor or some, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe Reclaim. Uh, That's scandalous. I didn't know that. Yeah. Jacobin called them um, an offshoot or a growth out of the failed Bernie movement. The failed Bernie movement. That's probably true. I mean, I, I would definitely say that that the that the a lot of the DSA people and most of Jacobin people, including Daniel Denver, seem to be those that were really mobilized politically after 2016 uh, and onward. That's not to say that Daniel and them weren't involved in radical politics before. I'm sure that they were, um, but like the political entry of it, I think, came after Bernie. They're all they're all disillusioned Bernie bros who like would really hope that Bernie runs in 2024, even though he'll be like 80 something. Listen, we already mentioned that we went to Vermont. I looked so hard to find some goddamn Bernie mittens as a Christmas gift for my aunt and my mother, who are lovely, well-intentioned white liberal ladies who pissed me off, but both deserved some funny Bernie mittens. Couldn't find them. Went everywhere. We did get maple candy, though. We did give me... I still haven't eaten it. It's still... No! It, it never goes bad. All right. Well, we have maple candy for the um, apocalypse. That's the, that's the title of the episode. Maple candy for the apocalypse. <laughs> the only things that survive. Maple candy and Twinkies and roaches. The, um, there's, there's an event on... So on Monday, MLK Day at 6 p.m. at Dexter Park. Just want to shout that out to anybody listening. Who's, it, there's an action uh, in solidarity with student walkouts and, and such. Black lives still matter. Don't you forget. Red Ink will be airing a MLK documentary that you're free to pop in and out for. So we're not doing official public events, but uh one of the executives was gonna watch this movie anyway and so figured that they would allow people to pop in and in and out as long as you're wearing a uh appropriate mask not just a cloth mask but the n95 is that what they're called kn95 i only remember that because of dolly parton k995 k995 uh yeah yeah, I feel like so much has happened since we've been on break, but it feels good to be back. Um, Before we have uh, House of Kodak on, because their mission is partly in housing people that are in tough spots. I just wanted to read off a few places in Providence that um, you can recommend people to go to because it's so fucking cold out and um, just have some idea of where you can point people if you see someone that's cold and there's somewhere that's nearby. Um there's the Da Vinci Center on Charles Street, the Federal Hill House on Cortland Street, the Silver Lake Community Center, the West End Community Center, and then you have a series of libraries in Providence that you can go to during the day um, that you can get warm. That's Fox Point Library, Knight Memorial, Mount Pleasant, Olneyville, Rochambeau Library, Smith Hill, South Providence, Washington Park Library, and the only two places that are overnight in Rhode Island for someone that is housing insecure and needs somewhere to go because it's too, too fucking cold out is Crossroads RI. I don't know if they have beds. Probably not because they're constantly full. You might have to just 
chill in the lobby, but it's better than being outside in 10 degree weather. And then there's also the Providence Rescue Mission, um, which is on 627 Cranston Street. Um, and if you're in Pawtucket, you're basically shit out of luck. Uh, there is a phone number that you can use to get someone a ride to go somewhere warmer. That's 401-727-9100. And um, yeah, so options are pretty bleak. Um, that list was given out like two days ago. It should still be current and relevant for everybody. So if you see someone- I'm posting out- them as I see them on the Instagram, so- Oh, cool. All right. Check check the Instagram. Yeah, you can also go to Red Inc. If you're in the Mount Hope district, Red Inc. has heat too. And it's a nonprofit, so nobody's paying for the heat. So go ahead and use it. Um, the places that I read off are all getting um, funding for, from the Rhode Island Emergency Management um, Agency. So, oh, FEMA. Yeah. No. Yeah, so that that's that's what that's all about. So if you see someone outside and it's nighttime, tell them to go to Crossroads or the Providence Rescue Mission during the day. Almost any library in Providence and almost every community center in Providence as well. That's good to know. That's good to know. Yeah. yeah. We also have new stickers. Yes, we do. Um New stickers, two new kind of stickers, still have patches, still have koozies, still have uh, shirts. shirts, definitely. And masks, pens. Yeah. Renewing the uh, renewing the year. This is the beginning of the year. We don't get another break until December again. So uh, and we haven't planned out half episodes or anything like that yet. Um, oh, I've been watching movies. Yeah, you have some some stuff in mind for this stuff. season, right? I got some stuff in the chamber. Yeah. I'm going to be in Russia for the first three months, and so I might try to make my half episodes Russian-themed in some way. Uh, Russian or Providence-themed, or maybe both. Maybe co- try to combine them uh, in some, some capacity, if it's possible. Uh, but that's what I'm looking at. You can call the episodes Red Island. Red Island. Red Island. I love that. Good. It's good. And how about you, Andy? Any ideas for uh, this season's half episodes? Anywhere you want to go? Oh, you know, I always love the soft stuff like poetry. And uh, besides that, um, I've been keeping up on my fucking shadows on the wall, which is anything regarding philosophy. But yeah. I have a few ideas in mind and uh, I can definitely um, take some requests too from people if they would like um, anything specific. Hell yeah. You should read Pablo Neruda's love poems for Valentine's day. I'll read them to my roommate's cat live and we can see which ones that she likes and dislikes. Okay. She'll dislike all of them. Which is weird because they're so good. Yeah. But all right. Well, we're going to talk to house of Kodak. Uh, we we did mention that there were a lot of amazing groups in town doing good things. House of Kodak is one of those groups. They're incredible. We do a market with them every once in a while, and uh, they're opening up a, a shelter very soon, or they already did. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. We're here with some lovely folks from the great and powerful house of Kodak. Uh, with me, we've got Jem. Hi, Jem. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, thank you. Thanks so much for having us. 
Thank you for being here. Would you mind sharing with our listeners a little bit about yourself quickly? I'm going to ask the same of you, Julio. Yeah. So, uh, hi, I'm Jem. I use they, them pronouns. I um, was born and raised here in Rhode Island. So I am a, a local yokel. Uh, and I am, uh, let's see, some like fun things about me is uh, I own three turtles as a pet, uh, as pets rather. I also have a rescue uh, pit bull from Providence Animal Rescue League. I, uh, my favorite food is pizza. Uh, I really love uh, Futurama, which is something we discussed earlier before we hopped on the podcast. Um, I am, uh, I, uh, I've been uh, diagnosed and living with HIV for the past 10 years. Uh, and my dad's dead. <laughs> uh, okay. That's like a, a weird thing that I tell people. I'm like, hi, I have HIV and my dad's dead. And they're like, oh, oh great. Okay, good job. Um, we can so, relate to a lot of those yeah. things. <laughs> Thank you for sharing all of that. Yeah, no now coming in hot with the bisexual lighting in the background. Yes, I saw <laughs> your lighting. <laughs> yes, thank you for recognizing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, hi, everyone. My name is Julio Berroa. I am the founder and one of the, the directors of House of Kodak. Um, I was born and raised in Dominican Republic, so I am a transplant, and Spanish is my first language. Um, fun anecdotes about me. I am a local artist. I went to Rhode Island College. I graduated with a Bachelor's of Fine Arts in digital media curriculum. Uh, I am a healthcare professional uh, as I work at, at the Miriam Hospital doing research and uh, STI work. Um, and my favorite, uh, my favorite food uh, will have to probably be uh, any Caribbean food or any fry food and tacos. Mm. Um, uh, favorite show, uh, I absolutely love um, Adventure Time. Like if, yes. if, I'm, if I'm feeling any type of way, Adventure Time is uh, the comfort, even though uh, sometimes it can be very annoying, but it's lovely annoying. Um, and it just, it just comforts me uh, a lot. And is there any other thing that I need to answer? Uh, we I, didn't have a specific list of questions. What's your sign? I'm a Scorpio. I Ooh. am a raging Scorpio. Uh, my uh, ri- my rising is uh, Sagittarius and Me my too. moon is Leo. Yeah, oh, you beautiful yeah. creature. What about you, Gem? <laughs> What's your I'm sign? A Gemin- I'm a Gemini. Mm. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> my mother's a Gemini. That's all that was. My uh, ex is too. Oh, boy. All right. Um, yeah, so I'm a Gemini. I am a Scorpio rising, uh, and I am, I believe, a Cancer moon. So, oh, very, you have I'm so a, many feelings. I love that. That I will probably cry on this podcast, which will prove that. So, yes, I'm a crier. I cry all the time. I cry at the opening of a tuna can. Like you, you name it, I got tears in my eyes for it. I cry at um, movies a lot. Me too. I'm a big movie crier. Commercials but, where people come home from, like, if you if there's a television commercial where people like are coming home after like the holidays or yes. they've been off to war or they've you know you know those pick those movies of those dogs seeing people when they come home like for the first time like I start oh, yeah. I will ball the second I see them. I'm with you. I, I want to talk more about that, but we should get into the interview. <laughs> yeah, one more. We've already established that we all get along really well and we should totally hang out. But right now, let me ask uh, yes. both of you. 
uh, how, what, well, I know what it is, but tell the listeners if they don't know, what is House of Kodak? Well, House of Kodak is Providence first youth shelter, period. That there was never one here in Rhode Island. Or uh, the closest one to Rhode Island was is in Boston. Uh, and then outside of that is in the uh, greater New York area. Um, and unfortunately, uh, New England hasn't had uh, that much initiative when it comes to specific youth and uh, uh, queer shelters. Uh, so we decided to uh, pioneer on that uh, outside of Boston. Anything that talk- I missed, Jen? I was going to say, yeah, when we talk about youth, so we're uh, particularly providing shelter to folks that are 18 to 25. And so they are technically adults, but I don't know about you, but I know when I was 18, I was not ready to live on my own. Um, I was not ready um, to own a home or even rent an apartment on my own. Like, that's not something that like those when they took uh, when they took, what is it? Uh, Home economics out of out of schools um that was something that like that that like those life skills just aren't taught anymore and a lot of times parents uh are too busy uh trying to like keep their own kids uh you know housed and keep themselves housed they don't have the opportunity to teach their kids that now uh and uh let's see yeah so how's the kodak we are so we started um uh, we started by uh hosting uh lgbtqqia plus or queer art markets uh throughout the summer last summer to help uh, generate a lot of, uh, uh, generate some noise, generate some um, opportunities for local artists to uh, sell their art at, uh, at low or, or no cost uh, to them to be able to uh, present. Uh, and we were also in a place where um, we weren't really, we didn't have a, like a pride festival last year or the year before. And so uh, it was important for us to be able to give the queer community an opportunity to get together and celebrate themselves, their art, and um, and this new initiative. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of House of Kodak in a nutshell. I will uh, also mention that this originally started as a design firm. Julio Design uh, started this in 2017 uh, to create like logos for his friends again at a lower no cost opportunities to be able to get their their work and stuff out there. And now uh, we've just turned it into this turned it into this beast yeah we're still going we're still focusing on the arts uh but right now we are uh tackling one thing at a time and that one thing is uh youth housing uh that is very much needed and so the the center opened last like at the end of last year correct yeah, so we opened up on December 1st. Uh, we provided, uh, on December 1st, we opened up, we had six shelter beds um, uh, available to on a first come first serve basis. Um, and within like three days, we were at 85% capacity. Um, we had uh, two, two folks that were rehoused. Um, they actually went back to their family, which is really an awesome thing to be able to, you know, rekindle that relationship with them. Sure. Um, one ended up moving back with their sister. The other one went right back to mom and dad and was like, nope, this is, I think I'm, I think I want to go back, <laughs> want to go back home. And we're like, okay, that's okay. And the parents welcomed them back after, after not having them there. Um, and it was, um, you know, and so for a long time, we only had like two or three kids here, which was, which is good because it means that like, you know, I, I don't know. I just assume that like, if they're not here, then that must not, there must not be a need. Uh, and then after the holidays, um, I will say we had a huge influx of, uh, of folks come back to us. And I think, you know, after the warm and fuzzies of the holidays were off, um, 
uh, that, you know, that caused folks to, to have the need again. Uh, and so we are actually on a wait list. Uh, so if folks are, um, are seeking shelter right now and you're 18 to 24, um, you can visit our website at houseofkodak.org uh, and you can, uh, you can fill out the wait list there. It just kind of, we're kind of bummed that we're on a wait list um, because it means, you know, it means that the need is great. Um, but we are hopeful that by this time next year, we'll have our second property open and um, that ideally will uh, give opportunities for about 40 individuals to have emergency shelter. So, wow. Excited where for is, the future. Where is the center located? The center is located in Providence in the West End. Uh, for the sake of safety, we're not able to no, yeah, sure, specifically totally. say where it is, Sorry, but we know, are, um, we are about, uh, and walking distance, we're about 10 minute walk for, uh, from downtown. Okay. Um, yeah, so we're very close. Uh, we're very close to the city and very close to the centers uh, of the city. So that way, uh, all of the all of the services that we are uh, helping them get through uh, are at a nearby um, distance. Yeah, it's easy to get to. That's really that's all I was really asking. What kind of services do you provide? Um, so we we provide a little bit of everything. Um, so first and foremost, you know, emergency shelter. Um, and, uh, we've got, uh, we give everybody, uh, one meal a day on the house. Uh, and we also provide, uh, a kitchenette filled with, um, you know, filled, we have a pantry that's filled all the time. So they're able to, the, to cook meals for themselves. Um, a handful of our folks, uh, do take advantage of SNAP benefits. So they are able to, uh, get food for themselves and make and, and cook and do what they want to do what they want with that. Uh, but we also have a food pantry available and stocked if, uh, folks don't have, uh, what they need. Um, we also provide a clothing pantry. So, uh, some folks come to us with nothing, like literally just nothing. Uh, and so we're able to put clothes on their back, uh, put food in their belly. Uh, and then when, um, you know, after they've had a, you know, about a week or so with us and we start case management. So we put them on a track of, uh, setting some personal and individualized goals, um, for what they want to accomplish while they're here with us. And, you know, we will provide shelter to them until they're 25. And our goal is, uh, by, from the time that they're with us and to the time that they're 25, that we've worked with them for them to be able to find their own, uh, source of income, their own stable housing. Uh, and so that, you know, we don't, we don't, the last thing we want to do is perpetuate chronic homelessness. Uh, and our, you know, that's, that's why we provide the services that we do. Uh, we have intensive uh, follow-up uh, case management. Uh, we encourage everybody to find a therapist that works for them to help uh, deal with any mental health diagnosis that they may have. Um, and uh, some folks uh, need to apply for disability. So we have services that uh, will help them support, so help support them on that journey. Uh, and then we also uh, provide opportunities for them. Uh, we will provide opportunities to, for them come this summer. Uh, over the winter, we're providing them with tons of materials for them to create and hone and master their own craft. Um, so uh, a lot of them are, you know, budding artists. And so we want to be able to provide them uh, space at our marketplaces come springtime for them to be able to sell their work and have sustainable income as well. So that was really like, that's why we started that marketplace to make sure that there was a way for uh, these folks to not only interact and, and be part of the queer community, but also like make some money too. Um, so it's a one, one really like helps out the other. Yeah. And at, in the process of all of that, we're also creating, we're also creating a culture and a community 
Um, everyone that has come to our markets uh, from the very first market last June uh, has still has still become uh, involved either in volunteering or in some sort of form way that they're getting us some type of help. Uh, some folks uh, from our uh, network of artists have connected us with uh, grant opportunities and other funding opportunities in the past. Uh, some others, like I said, have become uh, full-fledged volunteers um, that just technically found out about the organization the minute we announced it on our very first market. Uh, and everybody was very, very happy about our mission and what we were trying to accomplish. Wow. Y'all are amazing. I mean, I know you know that, but I'm just going to tell you again, in case it's been a while since the last time somebody told you. Andy had a question. Oh, yeah. Um, Jem, when you were talking about <clears throat> um, the different things that uh, the House of Kodak offers, you had mentioned uh, food and uh, clothing pantries. I think you do have a clothing drive going on right now at, um, at a coffee shop over on the West End. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so it, it's actually Notes Coffee Company, and that is actually in Pawtucket. Um, yes. And they are, they're doing uh, warm code drives. So uh, we already did a first pickup from them um, last week, and there was like 15, like 10 or 15 bags um, of warm clothing, blankets, hats, mittens, gloves, scarves, you name it. They were, it was, it was chock full. I, my car literally had no more room in it. So uh, that was, uh, everybody over there has been super generous. Um, and uh, that drive ends on the 19th. So I know on the 19th, like we've, they've already said, like, we're already full again. So like, you might need to bring two car loads. So people over there have been really, really super generous. Um, and we're very grateful. Um, What's for, the coffee shop again? notes coffee company they're a relatively newish um and it's uh if you give me one second i'll, I'll pull the address up for you oh okay. yeah another another uh type of establishment that also did this for us over the summer was uh nest uh that they are actually and, and here on the west end around uh ogie's trailer park um they they helped us a lot with our uh in our summer uh, throughout the course of the summer, they helped us a lot with uh, our food, pan uh, not food pantry, sorry, with our clothing pantry. Uh, nice. And they were very, very helpful in that. Uh, yeah, Notes is located at 500, uh, 508 Armistice Boulevard in Pawtucket. Um, and one of the things to, to mention or that I'd like to mention is uh, when we are doing these clothing drives, we keep what we need for, for our shelter residents. So they obviously get first pick. Um, we And then we are reserving some of the stuff because throughout the summer we did community clothing swaps. So folks in the community and in the West End would be able to come over and grab what they need for free from us. Or if they wanted to leave some clothes, they could. If they wanted to take some clothes, they could too. We had a couple families mentioned to us, they're like, we just got all of our kids back to school wardrobe from here because we wouldn't have been able to do that otherwise. So it was like, we were really jazzed that we were able to provide that resource. Um, and then uh, sometimes we get a lot of bulk stuff in. So we, <laughs> I don't know how this happened, but we got like a, a pallet of bath mats. Um, bath mats? And bath mats. So, you know, we're not, you know, we have one bathroom uh, that everyone shares. Uh, and, uh, we only need one bath mat, maybe two. Right. Uh, and so we ended up, so anything that we have in bulk like that, that we can't use and that the community might not be able to take advantage of, 
Um, we actually donate um, to Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Rhode Island. So like that giving doesn't stop here. Um, when we uh, send things to Big Brothers, Big Sisters, they actually support our mission uh, by giving us funds for every pound that they're able to haul away. So everything that, um, so even if folks are listening to this and they're like, oh man, I got a whole bunch of stuff that I know that can't be reworn or can't be worn again, um, but I don't want to see it go into the landfill. Um, we'll take that and then Big Brothers, Big Sisters will recycle it for us and then pay us for that stuff. So um, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff happening. So not only is it helping to put clothes on, on people's backs that may not have it, uh, it's also funding the operations of our shelter and keeping all that stuff out of our landfill as well. So it's really like a, a full circle process. That's huge. That's amazing. I definitely have things to bring. Alex, you didn't need to put me on the spot like that, but yes, definitely have things I can bring. We were just talking about it, so it seemed relevant. Um, I want to go backwards a little bit, back to the genesis of the House Dakota and and ask, um, because you had mentioned that this started as uh, Julio's project to create signs and advertisement for people to utilize that art. And I'm curious of how it goes from that to being such a big, pretty much mutual aid, right? To going from something that is, I don't want to say personal because it's not really personal because you were still trying to do the art for the community, but something that is like personally fulfilling, I guess, in that way to now something that is like much bigger than you, right? It's, it's community aid now. It's, it's mutual aid. It's what we're all about. So how did it move like that? Tell me like the, the nitty gritty process of, of how that happened. Yeah, um, when I first made House of Kodak in 2017, the general idea that I wanted to create at the time, very young and uh, not very, very guided in, in how to create things uh, like this in this scale, I wanted to make a space for other artists to come and commune and where they were able to utilize uh, studio space uh, for free or a low cost. Um, and I wanted to also keep that here in the neighborhood um, as everything always keep it here in the neighborhood. Um, a lot of a lot of this kind of work for me at least comes from my own background of like growing up in the Dominican Republic. I, we are some of the most uh, giving people and hospital hospitable people in, in the world, I believe. Um, and I've carried that, I carry that with me in, throughout my entire life. Like my mom never taught me to not be nice to someone who uh, might not have the same things that I do. My mom always told me to try uh, to treat everybody how I want to be treated. Um, therefore, I am, I'm trying to do that uh, as my own life mission, but also through House of Kodak. Um, but at the same time, uh, it's the nature of being an artist. We're always trying to make the community better. For, for ourselves and for the people who can, be, who can benefit from it as well. Um, so when I was doing all these logos and things like that, we were, it was for my friends who were either doing startup companies or uh, were doing um, just a general logo for their brand or a flyer for an event. Uh, I did a couple of flyers for uh, uh, It's Care Ocean State uh, back then. I did a couple of flyers for uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters. I even did a couple of pride specific logos for Big Brothers Big Sisters and It's Care Ocean State um, in the, uh, back in the years as well, um, as well as work, doing some work with Rhode Island Pride. Um, and 
to now the transition kind of is with the same mentality, but in a different topic. Um, it's how can we make sure that in our communities, our youth, our queer youth who are the future um, are able to ensure that future. Uh, and one of those ways is that we are recognizing that homelessness is an issue, especially me coming uh, straight out, straight fresh out of college. Uh, when, when you look into a college uh, campus, um, there is a big percentage of the students who are homeless yeah. uh, that might either be living in the dorms and that might even be their only uh, support. I was one of those folks uh, when I came out, I was thrown out of my house and I only got to live with the dorms for a whole year until I had to skedaddle and figure out where I was going to live next. Um, that's not the same. That's not that's not something that everyone has. So sometimes some of those college students are sleeping in their cars. Um, so in 2020, when the pandemic first hit and everybody started to get laid off left and right, people couldn't really figure out what the system for unemployment was. Therefore, they became incredibly in debt and then they were evicted and then they started living in their cars to the point that some of our own friends um, were in those precarious situations. And the way that we found out wasn't the way that they planned uh, on people finding out or in the way that we felt that it was it was great. It was technically that we just bumped into them while we were walking out and about in the city. Does that answer the question? I think I just rambled all over the place. Yes, <laughs> no, that was good. a very good, thorough answer. I think we want to know who else besides the two of you are involved. Who else is part of your team? Uh, we have, oh, sorry, we have a, uh, three more folks uh, who are also from our network of friends. Uh, two of them I went to school with, uh, and one of them uh, we uh, met very spontaneously when Jem and I were out playing Pokemon Go. Uh, and that was like about maybe three years ago. Look, uh, oh my gosh, you're <laughs> doing it that. right now. They're battling uh, right now. Yes, uh, about three years ago, we met uh, at the gym, at the Pokemon gym that's here at the Cranston Street Armory. And we were doing it great. And we were like, want to be friends? Let's be friends. And then we became friends. And now here we are battling youth homelessness together and <laughs> catching one Pokemon at a time. Um, so, terrible. yeah. One of the um, things that like, oh, sorry. Like one of the things about, uh, this is gonna sound real, like real campy and real cheesy, but there's this meme that goes around of like this is a model of like or like quick the Democrat or quick the Republicans are asleep so don't show them this model of uh, free healthcare or and it's it's the Pokemon like it's the Pokemon model so like you go to a Pokemon center you can get free healthcare your Pokemon can get free healthcare um you can get uh you can get something to eat you can even stay at the pokemon center so it's like so true we it's we have this like we have this model <laughs> that works in a in a in a vr space so like why can't this work in real life like wouldn't that be wouldn't that be nice um but it's uh it's just like i think it's funny where it's like you know something like that brought us together and we're actually like we're em emulating that model and is, is so to speak. <laughs> I would love I'm to really, see. I'm really interested in that. I want to know more <laughs> about that. Sorry, Andrew, I didn't catch what you said. Oh, uh, it's okay. I was just going to say, I'd love to see Fox News trying to smear the Pokemon model of healthcare in America. Oh, man, that's like the only time I'd probably tune in. It's so fucking great. I love that you all met on uh, Pokemon Go. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's a. Uh, 
it's it's going to be the reality when like the metaverse provides us with there you go. Uh, virtual healthcare and virtual currency and virtual relationships and everything so that yeah. the actual physical verse kind of yeah, yeah technically all of that when it comes to healthcare since i work in health in healthcare and i'm working con- uh, very closely to with with providers is that like telehealth currently is um pretty much what's we can say what the rage is the rage in the healthcare system right now it's not ideal uh, because sometimes uh, like some of those visits require actual people to be together in a room. So uh, when you say the metaverse, yes, like for example, like Microsoft has already been developing their own way of uh, in the better in the metaverse to uh, to be specifically for the workforce. Um, in corporations like Lifespan, uh, we use that's pretty much all we use. We use Microsoft Team. Uh, and the entire pretty much uh, Microsoft uh, suite. So at one point, the next thing that's gonna come by is the VR sets and then here we are. Yeah, you're gonna be wearing goggles and you'll have a metaverse partner that's different mm-hmm. from your actual partner and you'll have a metaverse home and your your entire Pokedex will be different in the metaverse than what it is in your- in I am your excited actual- to create a metaverse home this year. Um, I have two I more questions. I won't be able to figure out how to get into it, but that'll be another no. story. <laughs> no, me either. I have I have two more questions. I don't know about yeah. the the rest, but um, first, I because what what y'all do is is pretty big, um, and and monumental and important for the state of Rhode Island. It's clear that to some people, including us, uh, you you serve as an inspiration, right? Uh, and so the first thing is, what do you want to say to people or even the youth that come to your center who want to get involved in mutual aid, but they don't know where to start? Um, and then the second thing is basically, in a basic level, how can listeners help you? What can they do to help you? Um, so I would say if, if folks are interested, uh, that's, uh, that's a, it, uh, hmm, uh, there's a lot of ways to answer that question. I would say, uh, you know, selfishly, I would say if, if folks are interested in being part of mutual aid and they want to get involved, um, and, and maybe not necessarily with us, but just with organizations in general that pro- do provide mutual aid, um, Google it, right? Or like go on Instagram, like find like find your community networks and, you know, search the hashtag mutual aid and figure out like what is close by, uh, what you know, what's available to you. And I will say like our marketplace offers a lot of, uh, offers like a lot of mutual aid organizations use our marketplace as an opportunity to get their word out. Um, so once we start back up in May, like, please, like, please come by, learn all about the different organizations that are providing mutual aid, figure out how you can get involved, how you can contribute to your community. Uh, because the only way that we're going to be able to solve any of these crises that we're faced with right now, whether it's healthcare or whether it's, you know, um, you know, re- uh, repealing the police officer's bill of rights, or if it's, you know, uh, BIPOC, you know, advocacy or, or queer advocacy or whatever, whatever it is that you want to get involved with. A lot of those agencies use our marketplace as a platform to share their message. So please, you know, come here, come to us and we'll, we'll, we'll send you in the right direction. You said that um, the marketplaces are starting up again in May. I feel, I know I got the email, but I haven't looked at it very clearly. <laughs> That's okay. We'll send more. We love sending emails. Um, but the, uh, yeah, so May, uh, I, oh my goodness, I don't have the date in front of me. I want to say it's May 14th was our first, our first marketplace back. 
um, and we'll be back in Dexter Park. And then in June, we'll actually be in Burnside Park uh, on the 12th of June in partnership with PVD Fest again. Right. Uh, and then um, we'll be spending the rest of the summer uh, back in uh, uh, back in Dexter Park. Uh, and we've, we've already, I, I'm, so there are a ton of people who have already signed up for those marketplaces. So please be sure to, uh, uh, to get on that roster. Uh, and then if people want to support us directly, we're, we're super grateful for that. Um, there, they can, if, if they want to support us and they can't do it monetarily, the clothing donations are a huge way for folks to be able to do that. If they don't, if they don't have the capacity to be able to spend money. Um, and the, you know, and, and obviously we do need funds to run, uh, to run what we're doing. Um, so we uh, have a bunch of different ways. You can visit us on our website. Again, it's houseofkodak.org. You can become a Patreon of House of Kodak. Uh, so we do have a couple of folks who do that. Um, you can also uh, fund our GoFundMe page. Uh, if you search on GoFundMe, House of Kodak will pop up. Uh, we also uh, accept all the, uh, I call them bloop loops because I don't know what else to call them. So like all like the, the Venmos and the, and the PayPals and the, and the Cash apps. So like if you like tap your phone to one of those devices, it goes bloop loop and you can uh, make a donation that way. Um, and if folks are interested in volunteering, there is a way that they can volunteer on our page, either to become uh, a house, uh, like a house parent or a volunteer in the shelter, uh, or they can volunteer at our marketplaces. And uh, pretty soon we'll be, uh, we'll have opportunities for folks if they want to come in and like cook a meal for folks, uh, they can do that as well. So a bunch of different ways that you can help out. That's really cool. I still have questions. I haven't been able to write them down. I'm trying to remember all of them. Are there like drop-in daytime hours at the shelter? Yeah? Yep, so every night between 6 and 10 p.m. Uh, we have uh, our drop-in hours. So if folks uh, like are in, need of, are in need of emergency shelter and there is no place for them to go that evening, they can stop in then. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we also have uh, providers come in between that time as well to, to work with our youth to get them, like I said, either on uh, SNAP benefits, on uh, to help with mental health care, uh, and things like that. So between six and 10, if you want to make an appointment to come on down and drop stuff off uh, or, uh, you know, be part of the community, uh, just make an appointment with us via email or, or give us a call on our shelter line and we'll get in touch with you. Okay. I'm, I'm still thinking about these bath mats, you guys. I, I haven't been able to get the bath mats off my mind. I feel like as artists, you could really come up with something cool. It could be like a drag race design challenge like somebody, I don't know, make it, yes. make it happen. Right? Make it work. Make, make, make it, it work. work. <laughs> Tim Gunn. Um, I, I, I can't recommend the, the marketplaces enough. I've been to lots of them vending through various organizations. It's always fun. It's always a little tricky if you're a queer person who's ever been on Tinder in Providence um, or Grindr or Lex, but um that notwithstanding um, i don't even know what lex is i must be that old i don't know what that means <laughs> it's it's a lesbian site so uh, <laughs> so I, I don't know who you are and where you hang but lex is is mostly a lesbian thing cool. um but anyway learn, learn something uh, new every day yes <laughs> uh yeah so do i i'm i don't know what the kids are up to tiktok that's one right um oh that's beyond i don't talk i instagram no. that's it <laughs> yeah yeah it's all i can handle the um okay so the marketplaces are amazing they're really fun it's a really nice way you always get to know 
tons of people, you run into people. It's just like good community, people from the neighborhood coming. The clothing swaps are like really fun to watch. It's just people find something that they really love and they get really excited about it. Um, and that's really just wonderful. Dexter Park, it's a good, it's a good thing going on. Are the corporations gonna be allowed at the summer one? I filled out the survey. Oh, thank you. Thank you for filling that out. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, um, so there's a, you know, I, we don't know the answer to that question yet. One, we haven't had any interest yet. I think we're like too cool for corporations still right now, um, which I'm okay with. Yeah. Um, in terms of, in terms of our summer market, you know, uh, here's what, here's, here's what I'm going to say. We like to keep uh, our, our market free and low cost and affordable to local residents and to artists and to small businesses. And that will always be the case that will never change uh, as, as we move as we move into the future. Um, but if a corporation wants to pay us $1,000 to set up a table, I'm not gonna tell them no because we need that money to run the shelter. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, with stipulations, like we, you know, again, uh, there's very few places in Providence where artists can set up at zero cost. Uh, and so that I feel like is, is one of the ways that we can offset, um, you know, the dirty dinginess of having a corporation, um, you know, set up a little bit, you know, down the way from them. Um, you know, we're still trying to work that out. And, you know, if we get a big response and we, you know, the last thing we want to turn into is, you know, a gaudy festival where, you know, Verizon Wireless is set up on one end, uh, <laughs> trying to sell you cell phones. And then, you know, we've got somebody with naked, naked cups, you know, or, or mugs with like naked men on them right next to it. Verizon is going to say that we don't want to be part of that. And then we'll have to say, we don't want you to be part of it. Then we don't want you to be part of it. Right. So like, you're, we're not going to censor, we're not going to censor what we do. We're not going to censor or, or put out, you know, our artist community and our queer community that, that has really lifted us up to make way for corporate interests. It's just not something we're interested in. Hell yeah. Uh, one thing that we, um, well, actually, let me ask you both, um, if you could have any superpower in the world, what would it be? Or not in this world, it could be in the universe, any superpower imaginable. Honestly, uh, for me, I would love to be the Scarlet Witch. Ooh. Yeah. Flat out. It's, either, it's, a, it's a good outfit. It's either her or um, a celestial, I guess. Since I'm, I'm, I've been obsessed with the Eternals movie lately. Uh, so that's uh, that's one thing. Scarlet but total, Witch, but totally the Scarlet Witch for me. Scarlet Witch is an underrated character, even in the movies. Like her powers are badass, but and and every time she does use them, you're like, oh damn, I forgot about her. But like she does, she's not there enough. You know what I mean? Like she just doesn't have that many appearances. Uh, that's a good, good, uh, good choice. Are you um, both for- wearing Pokemon shirts right now? <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> Adorable. Um, so I will say, so in, in terms of corporate, in terms of corporate sponsorship and, and benefits and things like that, Niantic, who runs Pokemon Go, was actually one of uh, one of our seed funders for this project. Um, we had so we we love Pokemon, we love playing the game, we spent a lot of money in the game, and so we're like, hey, 
we've supported you since 20, since 2016. Is there a way that you can come back and support us? And we sent him that proposal and they were like, you guys kick ass. Yes. Here's some money. <laughs> so we're oh like, my All right, God. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> I love that. My little like fourth grader gay heart is so like happy that that little card game on the playground turned into something like this. That's really nice. Do y'all play Magic the Gathering ever? We don't, but we have a lot of friends that do and uh, they try to get us into it all the time. And I'm just like, I, I, I'm a bear of very little brains and I am just like this, unless it's like cute and I can throw things at it. I don't, I don't know that I have the capacity to understand <laughs> it. <laughs> no, we just started to, Alex got, Alex is a natural and I'm just like, Ooh, what do I do? <laughs> uh, what about you, Jim? What's your superpower? Oh man, I don't. So I've I've answered this question a bunch in my life, and I don't know. Uh, I feel like every time somebody asks me this question, I feel like the answer changes all the time. Um, but one of <laughs> so <laughs> this is kind of, this is might be a little silly, but I don't know if you remember Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, um, from way back in the day. So one of the thing, one of his like signature things was uh, having a brain blast. So like being brain able blast. to figure out like, like he'd like he'd like think really hard, then like atoms would fly out, and like all this like all this you know stuff would come out of his brain to be able to help him think of the best idea possible. Um, and there are times where often like I wish that I had that ability to get myself out of. <laughs> you know out of dicey situations or think my way out of like you know this this is an issue that's come up and I got to think of the best way possible to solve it or uh yeah I don't know it just I wish I had some sort of like strong mental capacity to be able to 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 think of stuff that uh I wouldn't necessarily be able to think of without that superpower imagine a universe where Jimmy Neutron grows up to be Lex Luthor Ooh. Oh well, then that kind of ruins that. that, doesn't it? <laughs> no, You're both genuineers. You know, it's true. I know, but uh, hopefully he uses his power for good. <laughs> true, because he's young, he's naive, he hasn't learned yet that the dark way is the best way. Don't How listen do you feel to Alan. Bisexual Superman. <clears throat> what bisexual Superman? Didn't that isn't that a thing? Yeah. That's real now. Didn't that happen? Oh, that's right. Oh, I forgot all about that. That's right. DC just released, or DC introduced a, a yeah, a queer Superman. It's Clark Kent's son. Oh. With Lois, I think. He's a he's bisexual. He's oh, that Does he have a boyfriend? Uh, yeah. Okay. Like, there, like there are comic stills of him kissing his boyfriend. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Okay. Yeah. Is it Bruce Wayne's son, Damien? I don't know. The, oh, ooh, sexy uh <laughs> you you guys have any any questions um what are my typical fun questions what do you think of this dog that's a nice dog thank you <laughs> does that dog have a name? nice profile isn't he isn't he lovely yeah he's been here the whole time he doesn't leave my lap ever he's my he's my buddy he's been at your market you've met him you just didn't know oh he was goodness, there that's yes right. That's I, have always right. it a, I always make it a point to pet all the dogs that come to the market. So I definitely have pet that dog. <laughs> a lot of good pit bulls. A lot of good pit bulls at the market. Yeah. Um, any other questions? Pancakes uh, or waffles? Waffles. Hands down. Waffles. Waffles. Julio, yeah. uh, Julio, are you a pancake or a waffle guy? I forget. Uh, mostly waffles. 
I like yeah. I do I do like me a good soft fluffy pancake, you know. Um, but if I had to choose, it would be a waffle. I will say I like the, the best the, the the best waffle I've had in my entire life that came from AS220. Um, they had chicken and waffles on the menu. Uh, I think the waffle has since come off the menu, but uh, for like for like a couple of weeks, they had chicken and waffles on there, and I it was like the the waffle was like I I can't even describe it. It was it was so crunchy, and the inside was so soft, and like it just like you oh oh. Oh, chef <laughs> that's like me talking ever. about biscuits <laughs> there's no words anymore i'm just like making sounds well okay i was gonna ask you your favorite breakfast food is it a waffle yeah yep, yeah i'd have to say waffle for me yeah is there what dominican breakfast could you recommend julio uh oh too many um <laughs> but if i had to guide you to one it will be uh what we call in the dominican republic the reinforcement um which is it, it's technically a uh mashed plantains yeah um fried eggs or um scrambled eggs uh with uh, a side of meat it could be uh, usually for us a salami like fried salami okay. um and fried onions uh, on top of that and technically the plantain, the mashed plantains alone is going to like hold you down until yeah. like it's PM, likely. If you like, if you eat like a, a good enough portion at like 10, 9 in the morning, like it's gonna, you're gonna be quite full for quite a long time. Um, yes. And then the second one will be uh, any kinds of mofongos. Mofongo. Um, those yeah. are, uh, it's, a, it's a good equivalent <coughs> to what I just previously mentioned. Uh, okay. technically it's like all mashed together um so yeah that sounds good to me i'm interested i also really love like apple jacks oh yeah like a bowl full of oat milk and apple jacks also keeps me very happy <laughs> yes, i love little kid cereal like a cinnamon toast crunch is really good fruity pebbles pebbles are we good have, the we, peanut we butter the pebbles. uh puffs yeah, I feel like my dad was really into Fruity Pebbles. Fruity Pebbles. More bang for the buck. You get so many. It feels like so, so much. So many in Pebbles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, avalanche of Pebbles. Andy, do you have a question? I just wanted to ask what your favorite Pokemon is because everyone's wearing Pokemon shirts. I feel like it's crazy we haven't asked. That's a, that's a reasonable question. Um, so for me, it's, uh, I really love Politoed. Um, oh, right. Yeah. You're the turtle person. Yeah. Well, so I really, yeah. So if, if it's not Squirtle, uh, Politoed's really cool. Uh, uh, Choodle just came out uh, in the new Sword and Shield series. And I love Choodle. He's so cute. It evolves into Dreadnought. Uh, and uh, I somehow like always find myself loving the Pokemon that Jesse and James uh, from Team Rocket uh, tend to like carry around with them. And they just like, like Weeping Bell was so good. Um, who else did they have? Wobbuffet. Yeah. Oh my God! In, in if if you ever see me out and about in the city and we're like having drinks or whatever, and all of a sudden I will just like turn and go Wobbuffet like out of nowhere and just like just, it was like what the hell is that? I'm like it's just me screaming Wobbuffet. You know why not? 
That that is a true story. Same same goes to me. I mean, yes, Jesse and James are queer icons, so of course we have to love all of their Pokemons. For me, um, so pretty much anything ghost. Um, okay. So like Gengar, uh, uh-huh. but the ultimate at the top of the list is Giratina. What's that one? I don't know that one. Giratina is a legendary Pokemon from Sinnoh. Uh, it is the ruler of uh, the distorted dimension. Uh, and it's just one giant big centipede. And one anecdote about me, I am incredibly terrified of centipedes because where I come from, they can grow very, very large and very, very thick um, to the point that it's like, oh my God, these things are going to come and haunt me. Um, and yeah, I, growing up in the Dominican Republic, that's like one of my biggest fears. Um, but and somehow Pokemon... Uh, that's the Pokemon has the only centipede that I love, and that is Giratina. <laughs> I love that name for a freaking centipede. That's a really glamorous name. I love a good Tina. Well, what's next for House of Kodak? What's what 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 can we expect from you in the future? What are some goals? Everything. Everything. <laughs> to, to take one day, we'll take over the world. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so we're really I knew excited it. about. Yes. I mean, I got the bald thing going. I just got to get with that like weird little goatee. Um, the uh, or like that green, that green mecha suit that he has. That uh, there, I have a couple of action figures of him where he's in this like green and purple suit, and I actually love the color of it. Yeah, yeah, I want that suit. I should do. That should be my next (laughs) next Halloween costume at House of Kodak Market. There you go, Lex Luthor. Yeah. Oh my goodness. We'll all dress up as different Lex Luthers. That'd be good. <laughs> Cute. Um, so let's see. So what's next? So we've got our marketplaces coming up uh, in uh, uh, in 2022. We're actually, so uh, hilariously enough, uh, we are partnering with the West Broadway Neighborhood Association yeah. for, for a February marketplace. Um, so keep so on February 26th, I forgot all about this. So we're going to do an outdoor uh, marketplace in February on the 26th. It's going to be uh, West End Lights uh, from, I think it's from uh, 6 to 8 p.m. And so we're going to put up some lights and some fire pits all throughout um, throughout Dexter Park. Uh, there'll be hot cocoa and malt cider and things like that. And um, we're going to host a little market out there. So if anybody's interested in coming in the you know, freezing your butts off with us uh, and and putting together some awesome community stuff, please feel free to uh, to register for that. Uh, again, people can do that right on our website or on our Instagram. Uh, and then um, we have, so we have a couple of surprises coming up with PBD Fest that we can't announce yet uh, because right. it's not, it's, uh, we haven't signed, we haven't signed the agreement yet. Um, so we're, we're sworn to secrecy for that. Um, but we, as soon as, as soon as we can, we'll announce all that fun stuff, uh, to the public and hopefully get as many people involved as possible. Uh, and then, uh, uh, again, our marketplaces that are happening May through, um, May through October, plus the PVD Fest one on June 12th. So that, again, that's something, the secret is something else, um, <laughs> PVD Fest related. Uh, and then, uh, helping us open our home, our second home uh on uh, hopefully december 1st of 2022 um the more so there will be a call for volunteers so if you know how to swing a hammer uh or put up some drywall uh you know we're uh we'll be doing um some uh some volunteer work around that as well to be able to hopefully like i said open up that house um for next year we'll have a community center open on one side of the building uh 20 
uh, 20 emergency beds on the other side of the building and then 16 apartments oh, wow. um, uh, uh, on the two floors above it. So uh, a lot of, uh, yeah, it's gonna be a lot of space to help uh, find people a nice, safe place to live. That's quite the expansion. That's fantastic. <laughs> Six to 40 overnight. Yeah. <laughs> no big deal. It's cool. We can handle it. Do you have a recommendation, either of you, both of you, uh, for a local musical act that we can play at the end of this episode? Who should we you hype should, up? Julio. You should play Julio's music. Oh, okay. <laughs> done. That is, one anec- that is one anecdote I forgot to mention now that I... Uh, just remember, no big deal at all. So uh, everyone in it listening, I make music under the name of Dusk Night, um, one word. So like dusk and night, one word. Okay. Uh, I am in all streaming services and I make uh, electronic music, uh, house music, techno. Um, That's so, so gay of you. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gotta live up to my roots um so yes uh listen to me i just put out my first album last year called wave rider um and uh it's all of the graphics and pictures are uh, created by me all of my music videos are created by me technically i'm my own powerhouse um be proud of me please (laughs) uh so yeah you can play that is there a specific song like what's your favorite song what should what should we play so if you what? play retro, if you play retro love, that's a love song that Julio wrote for me. Oh, yes. <laughs> but you don't have to. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so re- well, retro love is technically my most famous song. Uh, it's mm. the one that has gotten the most streams. Uh, yes, because it's uh, it's the most poppy. It's the most gay out of all of my songs. Um, okay. But if I had to choose one, uh, it will be one from my recent album, uh, and the song will be Earthshine. I can put it in the chat. Sure. Is it on there is a music video? Is it YouTube. on Bandcamp? Can we buy it? Yes, there is okay. a Bandcamp. I can. Uh, let me get you a link. Good, because yeah, we we like to we'll buy it rather than just have you send it to us. Because I need it. I need the MP3 form to put it on the, the audio. You got it. Cool. That works. If out. I don't Look, send oh yes, it, thank you, thank you, John. If I don't send it in the chat, I would like to send it to you in an email. The music you're listening to is provided by Julio, also known as Dust Knight. His first album, which I don't remember the name of, was released in... No, I don't know. It's <laughs> my NPR voice. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's very Terry Gross. Well, thank you both for coming on and talking to us about what you do and who you are. And, joking and thank you with for us. doing what you do and being who you are. My for God. Real. And uh, Futurama shall live forever. Yes. I'm waiting for all that to come come true. Just like, so like Mac Groening like, is clearly a time traveler. So when, you know, when it comes time, uh, w- one of us needs to get frozen, accidentally frozen, and then we'll pop back out, in, you know, 30, 20, 30, 19, I think it was the year that Your that dog will wait for you. I oh, know. Oh, my so God. You're going to make God. Jim cry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there it is. We did it. I just love dogs. Got the so tears. <laughs> All right, y'all. That, thank you so much. I'm oh, sorry. I was like, what was that meme about the girl with the cats? Like, I really love cats. Uh, I don't, never mind. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't tell you. I had no idea at all. <laughs> send, send it to us. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Uh, it's cats. I really love. I really, really love cats. I really love all the cats. I, I don't know. I'm gonna have to like find it and message it to you because it was just. It was like this auto-tuned like, like it was a dating profile, and this girl just wanted to talk about how much she loved cats and and those brothers that did the auto tunes of all those crazy yeah. songs like found it, and and auto-tuned this like dating profile video, and it went viral. But I'll you know. Maybe maybe that's how you open the show is is, is with sure, that. Yeah. We're just gonna loop you singing it in the yeah, beginning. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Your cover. Your cover of the I Love Cats uh, viral video. Perfect. And then Julio will sample it for an upcoming track. <laughs> We're all in full circle. I am going towards the experimental route of music, so. It's Providence, you know? You gotta do it. All right, y'all. Be blessed. Have a wonderful weekend. Three-day weekend, hopefully. Now for me. Yes, have a great weekend, everyone. Stay safe. And uh, KN95s, right? The only acceptable mask. Yep. Got it. CDC now recommends. Okay. Bam. Bye.